From school teacher to MMA fighter to entrepreneur, Josh Tyler of Savage Gentlemen is building something more than just a men's brand on the internet. We're going to get into a really good and deep discussion with him right after this on the Manly Hood Mancast. Warning, applying these principles may change your life. People will look at you differently. You'll walk straighter, live bolder, and find out who you are. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Atcher. Welcome back to the Manlyhood Mancast. I am so glad that you took the time to listen to what we're doing here at Manlyhood. Listen, if you like the Manlyhood Mancast, if you appreciate the work we're doing, I want you to leave us a rating, a review. I want you to leave comments and share this with your friends. Help us to spread the word about Manlyhood. Also, please don't forget to join us at our Facebook group, the Manlyhood Man Cave, where we can help men level up. That's what it is. It's a community where men build each other up, and we would love to have you join us there. We are glad to be back with you again after the holiday break. It was a great break. I had a good chance to recharge, get my batteries refreshed, and spend time with family, and I'm really glad to be bringing you these podcast episodes once again. So here we go. Let's get right into this interview with Josh Tyler. Josh, it's great to have you on the show today. I uh, have been following the work that you're doing at Savage Gentlemen, and uh, I think uh, you've got a really interesting perspective to share with with our listeners. and And I think it'd be kind of cool to hear a little bit about yourself and your journey and your story. So maybe you could introduce yourself and tell us a little about what you do. Yeah, um, man, I don't know quite where to start. So, I, Josh Tyler, uh, former professional MMA fighter. Before that, I was a uh, school teacher out here in Virginia and then transitioned from division one wrestling into professional MMA. And throughout that career, you know, looking ahead, realizing like, Hey, you know, getting punched and kicked in the face, no matter how good you are at it is not sustainable. And so looking to the future, realizing like, Hey, I won't be able to do this for the rest of my life. What are some other opportunities? And so I started looking around, got connected with some really cool guys over at Black Rival Coffee and another company called Ready Man doing some survival stuff and just seeing what these dudes were doing in the entrepreneurial space. It kind of uh, lit a fire underneath me to see, man, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And so that uh, learning, learning the ropes, getting some, some, really good hard skills underneath those guys ended up standing up savage gentleman with a buddy of mine with uh with the intent of creating a company that not only has awesome products that either a savage or a gentleman may want but the really taking that idea of being both a savage and a gentleman because i think that's something that's been lost in the world we we tend to too many men seem to fall on one side or the other and I think to be really what we're intended to be, we need to be both. And so that's kind of our mission statement is just really helping to guide men and inspire them to pursue both aspects. Well, I think about that a lot. The picture and the understanding that, you know, to be gentle doesn't mean that you're not strong. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, gentle means I could rip your face off, but I choose not to. 
you know? Right. <laughs> yep. So no, for sure. And I mean, you see a lot of guys that they're, they're chock full of savage, right? You know, somebody looks at them the wrong way and that guy's getting in a fist fight. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm above socking somebody in the mouth, but that's not always the best option for, for every situation. And so you're going to get a lot farther in life if you can employ that some gentleman tactics there and, and not always have to get physical. And sometimes, you know, when it does come down to it, yeah, do what you have to do and have that capability. Conversely, there's, there's a lot of guys who couldn't, you know, bust a grape in a food fight. Um, and I don't think that's the, the right, the right stasis to be in either. You know, I think you really need both. So tell me about your transition from being a school teacher to an MMA fighter. How did that happen? Well, so, you know, I went to college really under the only, the only premise was to continue wrestling. So I wrestled in high school and wanted to continue beyond that. And the only Avenue really is, is collegiate wrestling. So I uh, ended up walking on to the team at old dominion university division one wrestling program they had there and really didn't look too much further beyond that. Just, Hey, I want to wrestle. I want to compete. There was something inside of me. And I think at that time, there was just a lot I felt like I had to prove just as a man. And and I think, you know, for anyone who has wrestled, that's about as uh, tough of, a, of an endeavor that you can probably engage in. I, I'd say the only thing more so than that would be would be going the military route, right? And, and so, you know, guys that have gone to war yeah i mean that that's probably a notch above than getting on getting sweaty on a mat with a bunch of other dudes for sure but you know in in the civilian sector that's kind of the the pinnacle of that and so i think that's what what attracted me to the sport originally and you know while you're there they kind of want you to study stuff and and walk they prefer that you leave with a degree (laughs) and really the only thing that that kind of spoke to me and appealed to me at that time was health and physical education i had a really um, I had a lot of really powerful mentors as as a wrestler who were coaches who who taught as well, and so I was like, well, you know, that's not a, that's not the worst footsteps to follow. So that was kind of my that my vision, and so wrestled all four years. Didn't really get out of it what I had hoped to. Didn't achieve the the goals that I had set out. Had some injuries, and got you know finished my eligibility. Still wanted to compete, and so the next really logical progression from there was MMA. Some, some teammates of mine turned me on to the sport and immediately fell in love with it. And that was really, you know, didn't have huge ambitions of doing that professionally, just, man, I need to express whatever this is, whatever about me needs to like violently um, engage with, with other men for whatever reason I need to, I need to do that. And so that's kind of it what led me to MMA. And then eventually I, I realized like, Hey, I've got some aptitude in this. I should, I, there's a lot of potential. I should probably pursue it. I have the whole rest of my life to continue teaching, but I only have a short window of competition. So I, I transitioned, you know, it, it was actually really tough because I had to leave my hometown. I had just gotten married and, you know, I talked it over the wife and like, Hey, if we're going to take this thing serious and really pursue it, I've got to get out of the small town. I've got to go somewhere that, you know, has what I need to pursue this. And so we packed up everything, drove across the country to Salt Lake City, Utah. And I started training there and really, you know, fully committed to pursuing my professional career. So it was, 
you know, it was hard leaving. You know, I had a bunch of kids that I was coaching at the time that that I'd been working with for quite some time. And, you know, it, it was tough to to kind of walk away from that. We had we had built up the team to where we're winning, you know, district champions and championships and regional championships and sending guys to the state. And, you know, it was it was invested, but I kind of had to really look at the big picture and, and invest in myself. And so that's what led me to it. Yeah. And so now are you still doing that, still competing in that, or are you transitioning out now? No, no, no. I, I, I kind of made that that transition a few years ago. So I, I, I continued competing through our first, through when our daughter was born. Um, she's six now. And then when the second one was on the way, just knowing what it entailed and now having two, it's like, okay, the feasibility of me continuing to train and compete at the level that I'm doing is going to have to take a back seat. And so I, I kind of, you know, scheduled what, you know, my last fight of like, okay, this is going to be not necessarily the last one ever, but this will be the last one for a while because, you know, having, having two small children and everything that goes into that is, right. is a lot when you're in, trying to compete professionally and, you know, mom's working full time and everything. So I, I kind of knew that going into it, but I really, wasn't sure how to make that transition and 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 I wasn't ready to let go when I made the decision it was it was kind of let's put a pin in it we'll circle back later and then you know over time transitioning into actually doing more more traditional work and and I guess there's not that much traditional about being an entrepreneur and working for starting a small business but it's definitely more common than being a professional fighter transitioning to that and realizing the massive opportunity I was like man it's it's kind of silly for me to go this other route you know it, it, it I realized how much of a selfish endeavor it would have been for me to try to continue fighting and and you know how lucrative that is or not compared to starting a business it's like man that's a, such a disservice to to my family to do that just for me to say, okay, I'm really good at beating people up. And, and I, and I love it and I'm passionate about it. Um, but, but I had to, you know, kind of put my ego aside and, and recognize like there's more important things. And I still, you know, I still practice, right. I still practice the art. I still train. I still grapple. If I need to scratch that itch, I can go and, and, you know, get on the mat and get my ass kicked by any number of people. If, if that's what I need, or I could be on the other end of that as well. I don't necessarily, you know, I, I somehow figured out to a way to quell that, okay, I have something to prove to the world how badass I am. You know, and I think that was a big part of what led me into the sport. I mean, I loved it just intrinsically for, for the sport itself. But I think what was really driving me was like, you know, a, a chip on the shoulder, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think most, most great endeavors that we do as humans are, to prove something to someone, whether it's ourselves or, you know, a, a father figure or some asshole down the street who's, you know, said we couldn't do it, who, whatever it is, you know, I think we need that to some degree, but I think, you know, with, with age and maturity, we, we recognize like, okay, that's not, that should be the basis for all of our decision-making. Yeah. There comes a place where you have to, uh, you have to just be realistic and say, all right, who cares what they think and what do I need to do that's best for my family? And yeah. Well, and, and, and at that point, I, you know, I felt like I, I really proved as much as I needed to prove to whoever needed it. And, and more importantly, myself, it's like, okay, I've, I've fought and, and trained with 
some of the best guys in the world. I know where I stand in the pecking order. Could I continue to do this and make a living? Absolutely. Could I climb higher in the ranks and make a larger name for myself in the sport? Absolutely. But at what cost? And that's, that's the thing that we have to weigh out is, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? And, you know, in seeing all the possibilities of starting, starting a business and what, what we could do with that and the good that we can do with this. We've got a Facebook group of 16,000 members now that, you know, I'm really proud to say they're getting a lot of value out of the discussions and the, the interaction and the engagement. It's like, well, how much good am I doing in the world by beating dudes up on camera? You know what I mean? In, in, in a cage for millions to watch. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a fun thing. I love watching fights. You know, I think it's, it's, it's useful to some degree it's a nice little pastime and it shows what the human um, spirit is capable of with which there's value there. But it's like, man, I can, I can impact so many more people with this other thing, you know, in addition to setting up my family and making things better for them as well. You know, you were talking about when one of the things that you appreciated about being a teacher, being a coach was being able to offer that mentorship that you had. And so you still get to do that. Like that's a big part of, what you're doing with Savage Gentlemen is, you know, it's not just entertaining, it's actually investing in people. And I I mean, I think there's some fulfillment in that. You know, I know I get a lot of fulfillment doing that with what I'm doing with manlyhood. And, and I think it probably definitely, you know, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you feel like you made a difference, you know? Absolutely. Well, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I I think that we all can, anyone who feels inspired to, help others it's it's largely in part because someone took the time to do that for us right and and, and, because that's the way we learn like you don't get to where you're sitting or anywhere really in life without somebody at some point you know extending in a hand and showing you something or helping you or giving you some kind of advice or tutelage or whatever and so it, it it feels only right to pay that forward to some respect, right? But otherwise, man, this whole thing comes to a grinding halt. We as men, we as the the, the humanity just, you know, hit the brakes right on. And if no one is willing to work with other people, teach them things, show them things. And, and in the same respect, that's how we learn as well. I've learned more teaching and coaching others about wrestling, about fighting, about business, about you know, this idea of masculinity and manliness than I ever have just trying to absorb it, right? There's something to be said for taking an idea and, and, and helping someone else conceptualize it the, the way that solidifies it in our own minds. And so it's, it, it's really great. And, and I'm glad that there's other guys that are out here doing it as well, because it, you know, it takes, it takes different voices for different people, right? And it, it's funny, there's a lot of people that have a mindset of a it's like a zero-sum mentality right where it's like well hey man i mean i'm the dude that's supposed to be talking about you know man stuff these other assholes they don't you know don't listen to them and i'm like no listen to them go go listen to this guy's podcast and that guy's subscribe to his channel you know what i mean buy his stuff whatever it is do that please it, i i'm not the end all i'll tell you right now i am not the end all authority on pretty much anything, you know, I, I, I jokingly tell people this, well, not, jo- I, I kind of genuinely tell people this all the time. It's like, Hey man, don't follow me. I'm lost. 
I, I'm still figuring this whole thing out like everyone else. I've had some unique experiences that is that lends a certain perspective to the way I see the world that apparently people have found useful. But man, don't try to replicate exactly what I have done. It, it is not <laughs> something that I would recommend, you know, for for really anyone. But you know, I, if you want some advice, if you want some insight, if you want some perspective, by all means, ask, and I'll do the best I can to help you. But you know, this this idea of just you know, hey, here's a guy that has all the answers. Just do exactly what he says. That dude, I can tell you right now, that guy doesn't exist. Um, well, in in mortal uh, form on this planet currently, like that dude's not here, right? You can, right. You can We can go on a on a tangent on you know higher power and that sort of thing if 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 we want. But you know, from a secular sense, like there's nobody that is going to have all the answers for you. Not in the White House. Not down the street. Dude doesn't exist. You got to figure that stuff out on your own. You can model other people. Certainly, you can get bits of advice and hey, pick and choose and take. Man, I really like what what this guy's doing, and I like what that guy's doing. Great, but you know, if anyone's telling you they have all the answers, they've got the formula, I'd be really leery of that personally. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I know that with with what I do, I frequently am saying, "Hey, look, like I'm right here." with my own set of struggles and my own things I'm working with. And I don't know the answer to that question, but here's somebody that does, you know, here's somebody mm-hmm. that, that here's who you could talk to if you need help with this, you know, and I, I think that's honestly the the value in it is rather than see ourselves as the ones with all the answers, you know, Hey, who's got the answers. Let's work together to connect. So, so um, I see uh, one of the things that interests me, I think it honestly is what caught my attention before anything else with the savage gentleman is the leather working. So, uh-huh. My dad was, he did leatherworking, you know, right up until he died and it was kind of a hobby thing for him. I don't think when he was younger, he made money, you know, he'd make moccasins or gun belts or whatever for somebody, you know, and, and that was, you know, kind of put bread on the table when he was between jobs or whatever. But, um, in in his later years, it was more for family gifts and things like that. I have a guitar strap he made for me and, um, but so I'm, I'm fascinated with, with leatherworking. So, so I love the work the stuff that you guys are making and uh and that you're putting out there is are you guys doing that yourself do you have a team that does that what does that look like yeah so you know leather when we came up with this whole idea of savage gentlemen you know we have the notion of what it you know this big you know pie in the sky vision of like all right we're gonna help dudes figure these things out we're gonna guide them and be this you know bastion of masculinity or what have you it's like okay cool but like how do we put food on the table? Like, well, obviously we're going to sell some stuff. Well, okay. What are we going to sell? Uh, I don't know. Let's find cool products and, you know, stuff that we would like. And then cer- certainly other savage gentlemen would appreciate them as well. And because we had some, some, my, my business partner, and I both had some experience in e-commerce. And so we we're like, man, that's the way of the future. Right. So He's got to get some cool stuff. And my, my partner actually has a, a background in manufacturing and he proposed the idea of, well, why don't we just make it? Why don't we make, why don't we make something to sell them? That's great. Cool. Yeah. I don't really know how to make anything. I'm more in the business of breaking things. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the creation of stuff is, is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And so we, we kind of put our heads together and, and, you know, we had some, some things at our disposal when we realized like, well, leather is, is that perfect 
medium that to embody both savage and gentleman, gentlemen, right? It's, it's both very primitive and primal and rugged, but at the same time, really, it can be sophisticated and classy, right? And so it, it, it embodies that ideology. And so, okay, let's make some stuff out of leather. So we, we, you know, kind of took some stuff that we saw out there and, and what we liked about it and kind of reverse engineered, deconstructed and, and started making wallets. Cause that was kind of the simplest, easiest thing we could conceive. And these were super basic, just like little leather card holders that just, you know, two pieces of leather that they're stitched together and you slide a card in there. And so, all right, cool. All right. We figured out how to, how to work at sewing machine and how to cut the leather and how to finish it and do all these things. And well, let's, let's try a more traditional wallet. Right. And so we, we, we figured that out and it's just been kind of one thing after another, slowly learning the process, refining it, taking customer feedback. I mean, I, I look at the stuff that we kicked out in the early days and, and, you know, surprisingly we have customers from, you know, three years ago that, that still have those very first wallets when we really didn't know what we were doing other than we wouldn't send something out if it wasn't top notch quality. Right. Like if it if it wasn't, you know, pristine leather and and our best craftsmanship, it wouldn't leave. And and those people still have it and they cherish it and they send pictures and you know the leather has patinaed beautifully. And I, you know, I look back at some of our like design ideas and and I'm just like, oh man, that's not uh you know we can do better than that now. Yeah, it's like, well, that's maybe not the way I, I prefer it knowing what I know now, but, you know, it's been an evolution. And so now, you know, we kind of figured out that process for ourselves and we've got a couple of guys back in Utah that are, that are really heading up our manufacturing for most of our stuff. There's still quite a few things that are beyond our capabilities. Um, Some of our, some of our bigger products, we've, we found some, uh, some, some other manufacturers that help us out with that. And so we outsource those pieces, but, you know, they work tightly with us and, you know, it's our designs. It's not, we're not taking something that they have and just white labeling it. Like everything that we have, we're essentially building from the ground up. So either we're making it with ourselves, but, you know, by our hands, or we have built this thing in conjunction with someone else and they just have the capabilities to do it way faster and way more efficient than, than we ever could. So that's sorry. That was a long, that was a long answer to a, (laughs) no, no, but I do think it's interesting to kind of see the process and, and to see how you've done it. That's one of the things that I I've been thinking a lot about. And I know that a lot of our listeners too, they're like, all right, I want to do business. I want to do something. I don't know where to start. And so I think for them, you know, talking about that, thinking about that, you know, I think having a side hustle, and turning it into a business is not a bad goal. And and, and that's legitimately the way this, this worked for us. You know, we were still, when we, when we came up with this idea and we, we, we started the company, um, we were still both working full time with, you know, with, with our jobs. And I was still actually actively fighting and competing. So I was working roughly 40 hours a week doing, you know, being the, uh, well, I was essentially the like, creative director for this company doing video editing and, and content creation and that sort of thing. And then also training and, and, and fighting and competing, you know, and then, you know, we, we would be stoked if we, if we did like a hundred sessions, if we had a hundred people come to our store in a day, we were, we were ecstatic, 
you know, like that. I, I can still remember when our goal was like, all right, man. And if we did a hundred dollar day, if we sold a hundred dollars in a day, we were just like, dude, this is amazing. We were so excited. And, and so that was, it was a process. And I think people tend to get a little bit ahead of themselves. And, and, and I don't want to dissuade anyone from being fully committed, right? There is, there is something to burning the ships as it were. Right. But man, if you don't have to burn them, I, I would highly recommend that you don't, you know, so many people get an idea and they're like, I've got the best idea in the world, bro. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do whatever it is. Fill in the blank. This is foolproof plan. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to be huge. I'm going to start my freaking Twitch channel, bro. And I, I've done the numbers. I've done the numbers, man. This is super <laughs> solid. All, you know, I'm going to make Twitch partner in, you know, two weeks and then, you know, sky's the limit, baby. And I'm, I'm not beating up on people who do Twitch. I mean, maybe it's your OnlyFans account that you're um, that you figured out, and that's going to be your. Yeah. I, I'm going to sell pictures of my feet. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's there's weirder things out there, and and so you know, people will make these really drastic moves, sometimes unnecessarily, because that's like. That's the thing to do. If it's the hardest, most extreme, then we, we, we I, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's men or society or both, but we're predisposed to like, yes, that's it. What's the most like radical thing I can do? That's it. And, and, and we see it with people who want to do diets, right? Oh man, I want to get in better shape. Okay. What's the craziest, like hard, most hardcore diet that I can do? Cause that's the one for me okay, cool, man. Let me know how that works out for you after 15 days of just, you know, eating celery, right? Yeah, it's extreme. <laughs> yeah, you lost some weight, but it's not sustainable. And that's where I think, you know, we we build, we we buy into the hype a little bit too much, right? We, we see these, you know, fraction of a percent of success stories. And we're like, that's, that's it, man. I just, I'm just going to be Gary V, bro. I'm going to be Tony Robbins. And it's like, hey, you're not Gary Vee. You're, you're not Tony Robbins. So the things that they did in exact format that they did them, maybe isn't the best thing, right? I'm not saying that those guys don't have good advice and I'm not saying that their strategies won't work for everyone. But again, completely selling out to that idea, if you don't have to, you know, is, is not the wisest decision in my opinion, again, at the end of the day, I tell this to guys all the time, you know, when I'm coaching them and fighting, I'm like, Hey man, here's what I would do. Here's a technique that I like, but it's your freaking face, dude. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not the one who's going to get punched in the face if I do or don't do this, this technique. So your call to try and put what a man is in a very small confined box, I think is a, is a silly thing. I mean, I think we can all generally agree upon what is manly and what isn't, but you know, to, to create these rigid, like, Nope, dude, only, you know, real men only drink Bud Light and anyone else who doesn't is a sissy. Right. Right. (laughs) Or, Or like, you know, if you don't drink your coffee black, you're not a real man. And you know, we, we, we kind of laugh about these things because it should be silly and foolish and, and comical, but we, we extrapolate that and it goes, you know, much, much further. And, and, and I think it's, it's just not very useful to like 
oh yeah that look at that guy he's got skinny jeans on so he's i'm sure he's a pussy and like well maybe he is or maybe that guy will ball you up in a pretzel he'll rip his skinny jeans kicking the crap out of you <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then how how much of a man are you if you just got your ass kicked by a dude in skinny jeans and a man bun because guess what i know those guys and they're terrifying if they lay their hands on you you're done <laughs> unless you are you know an elite level um you know, jujitsu practitioner, you know, or, or a professional MMA fighter that's in like the top five in the world, it's going to be a bad day. And guess what? If you're commenting on social media about how much that you think you can kick that guy's ass or that, or whatever it is, you're not that guy. I can tell you right now, I know that you're not the guy. I know what your capabilities are or aren't because you're wasting your time talking trash to strangers on the internet you know who doesn't do that guys who actually are capable of doing stuff guys that are actually worthy of respect and you know should maybe be be given a little bit of uh respect and wide berth because they can actually get shit done if you're if you're sitting there and you're talking trash like i i have zero concern about anything that you have to do because I know that you're not actually out there doing anything of consequence or, or, you know, anything that matters. It's funny because comments on the internet all used to be fairly anonymous, you know, and you didn't know who was saying it. So it's just somebody running their mouth, mm-hmm. you know, now that we're in social media and everybody runs their mouth and you know it. And now there's all these people that I used to think are friends. And I'm like, now that I see exactly what's on your mind, I don't know, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a good, you know, vetting process to, to some degree. And, and you know, it, it, it can become a really negative, dark uh, time suck if we're not careful, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it. I spend way too much time on my phone, you know, engaging in social media, reading, you know, comments from uh, from strangers to strangers and just going through and eating my popcorn and oh my gosh, and and occasionally I'll start to type something up and then I realize, like, wait, well, what am I doing? What, what is this going to accomplish for me? You know, I, and, and I, I, I attribute some of that is like market research of like, okay, I'm a lot of this stuff does give me some ideas of what to write about, what to talk about. Um, and, and just kind of some insight to the, human psyche to some degree. So, so, so it is actually useful, but I have to be careful because, you know, I can really get sucked into it very easily and get emotionally tied up. And all of a sudden my whole freaking day is ruined because, you know, I can't believe that people are, you know, saying this and I need to tell them what for. And, you know, there's, there's an emotional response and that comes at a cost. I don't think that people realize because mostly I think for a lot of guys, we're so numb to our feelings. We don't even, we don't even pay attention, but it's like, man, there is like an, there's a cost, right? The more you dig down in those comments and the more vestige you get in that, like it's creating a physiological response from your brain into your body. And, you know, we wonder why we're stressed out. We wonder why we can't sleep at night, all of these things. And it's like, well, Hey man, you just got into um, you know, three hours of philosophical debate with people in your mind. You didn't even actually type, even if you didn't type anything, right? It's like you burnt, expended so much mental energy and emotional energy in this thing. 
for nothing, for absolutely nothing. Um, it was funny. Someone, someone that put up there, they're like, Hey, I'm just going to start posting. I'm going to go to different threads and I'm going to say stuff or I know I'm going to create a post that I know that people are going to lose their mind off of. And it's going to start a debate and I'm going to let those people hammer it out and, and, you know, get at each other's throats. And then at the end of the day, I'm just going to delete it and all that, and it all goes away. And it, and it really, it really goes to show how trivial any of that is. It's like, man, cool. You just typed, you know, four paragraphs giving this person, you know, your dissertation on why they should get a vaccine or why they shouldn't or whatever, who they, why this person, you know, is the worst or why they're the best. But it goes to show just how futile all of it is. And if we, you know, if our rational brains can take a step back and see how much time we're wasting on nonsensical things, I'm not saying don't ever, you know, with we shouldn't have conversations with people. I think we absolutely should. I think it's important to, I, I mean, I think that's where social media can be useful is we can, we should be able to present an idea and this, and social media should be the sandbox that we can kind of play around with and see like, okay, Hey guys, here's what I'm thinking. Um, Am I on the right track? Am I way off base here? And and we can flesh that out. And we, and we should be able to aggregate all these really brilliant minds and different opinions to formulate, you know, a, a really informed decision on stuff and, and get a lot of perspective. But we don't. We we call people simps and we call them beta cucks and we call them soy boys and, you know, or we call them, you know, I, I don't know what the other – side of the table is we call them you know fascists and we call them bigots and and racist whatever right it's like you don't agree with me you're 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 this and not to say that there aren't those people out there but what good does that do how does that advance uh the conversation your argument your idea that you're apparently very committed to trying to get other people to buy into it does nothing for that and yet Man, I, I would be afraid to see how many hours of our lives are being pissed away just, you know, getting into screaming matches digitally with people. You know, I, you, you're, I look at it as, you know, that kind of talk online, you're as impotent as someone who's hurling rocks at the sun, right? Because it's too hot outside. It's so hot and I'm mad, so I pick up rocks and I start throwing them at the sun as though it's actually going to change anything and make my situation better. And that's exactly how I look at people who, you know, are, you know, name calling and getting into these kind of debates. Again, have a conversation, but know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, when, when that person just starts calling, you know, saying these things, just fail, be done. Cause you're, you're not, there's no point in it. Yeah. The argument's over when they stop actually making sense. Yes. You know, and some people don't make sense to even start with. So that's true. You know, also know, you know, knowing which, which battles to engage in, you know, to begin with, you're just like, Oh no, this, this person is clearly an idiot. Why, why am I going to even waste my breath or my, my, you know, thumb dexterity on trying to convince this person of anything? The sky is pink. Yep, sure is, buddy. Good luck with that, you know, 
and and go about your day. I mean, you can't. You, I I don't know what to say about that. It's just like, well, some battles are just not worth fighting. I'm not going to die on that hill. You know, like, okay, sure, man. Good luck to you. You know, I, and, and you know, in their perspective, maybe it is. And as long as their job isn't like color grading movies, it probably won't matter that much unless, you know, unless they're in charge of, you know, figuring out um, uh, uh, Pantones for, for a printing company or something, right? you know, it probably won't affect them. Josh, I'd, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions that I like to ask all my guests. The first sure. one is this. If little Josh were to walk in the room and, uh, you know, young boy mm-hmm. walks in the room, you've got the opportunity to speak into his life and tell him something. What would you want him to know? Ooh, man, there, there, there's a lot. And I thought about this for a little bit. And I, my initial response was to like, point to some key things, some like very specific advice. Um, but there's so many different things, right. That kind of, um, kind of goes against the, the one thing that you could say, right. Well, if I could say a million things to them, it would be this. If I could say one thing, then it would essentially be just to reassure him that like, Hey man, all the stuff that you're worried about right now, isn't really going to matter. Like, I know it's, it's a problem. I know it's heavy and I know it's like weighing very, like very much on your mind, but understand and know and trust that, that these things aren't going to be there forever. Um, and you know, and, and, in thinking about that, because it, because it is true, like everything that I was worried about as a kid is totally like not a problem anymore. Like not even a little, you know, like every concern that I've had. And for the most part, through every like transition, every stage of my life, all of those concerns, it's been a progressive thing. Like there's no one lingering thing that hasn't, you know, resolved itself in some way, shape or form. And yes, I now have, I still have stuff that I'm worried about and I still have things that I'm concerned about today, this morning. Right. Um, But, you know, using that model, it's like, okay, well, what if 10 years from now, Josh walked through the door and said the same thing? Cause it's probably true, you know? And, and so that, that would be the advice that I would give to myself because I think, you know, I, I know for me, like I, I do spend an inordinate amount or have spent an inordinate amount of time of my life um, worrying about the future. And I think it's common. I think that's part of the human condition. Right. And, and I don't think that, it's the worst thing in the world. I think it can be useful if we don't plan to some degree, well, we're going to run into some issues. Right. But you know, the idea of being, being more present, not, not having our mind exist, you know, in a, in a future that doesn't right. Um, Trying to project all of these things that could possibly happen is, is again, not the most useful um, endeavor. And so saying, hey, look, you know, it's going to be okay. All of this stuff, it's going to work itself out. You know, just continue to, you know, do the best with what you have, make the best decisions you can, you know, continue to work hard. It's, you know, because I think that that can be like, oh, well, it's all going to work out. So I'll just, you know, 
let it work itself out. And it's like, well, that, that does come with effort. You know, you, you can't just sit on your hands and do nothing, but, you know, uh, trusting, trusting in, you know, certain truths that, that, that we know having, having a measure of faith, um, I think is really important. And so having that reassurance would have, I think would have, would have helped at least release a lot of anxiety and, and hopefully would have allowed me to pay better attention to, to the stuff that's around me. And, and, and I notice it now as a parent more so than, than any other time, it's like, man, time really goes by so much faster. Right. And, and, you know, looking at my kids and, and how quickly they're developing. It's like, man, you know, three years ago when my daughter was three, I wish I wasn't worrying so much about this and instead was just, you know, enjoying being with her, doing whatever this thing was, you know, going on this hike and just enjoying the hike instead of thinking like, oh man, you know, what's, what's the next product we're going to launch for Savage Gentlemen? I don't know. I think maybe if we, if we tweak this and come up with that, then maybe we can, oh, what, what, what about our, what should our advertising budget be? Right. Cause this is where, these are places where our mind wants to go. And there's, there's a time for that. There's a time for strategy. There's a time for planning, but we can let it become too pervasive. And so by, by, you know, having a little bit of trust and saying, Hey, it's going to work itself out. And allocating the time, the correct time to do that allows us to then be present and enjoy the other things without, you know, running down all these rabbit holes and, and, and daydreaming about things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of thing. And especially if there's nothing that can be done about it. That's what I think we're, and again, maybe I'm just projecting my own things, but I think it's pretty common for, for a lot of us. We, we tend to worry about stuff for the sake of worrying it, even though there's nothing we can do about it. And when we recognize like, Hey, there's nothing that can be done in this moment. I can't solve this problem. It's a problem for sure. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with it. But if I can't do anything with it right now, then I need to focus my attention on something else. And, and, and I think doing that again, being a little bit more present and, and trusting in that process, man, we would, I think we would be able to be a lot happier uh, with, with whatever our circumstances are, whatever our situation, and we'd be able to enjoy the people around us, you know, the relationships that we have, whether that's with our son or our daughter, with our wife, with our, you know, parents, whoever it is, friends, um, being able to, to, you know, just slow it down a little bit and, 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 and trust that, Hey, it's going to work itself out. That's that would be what I would tell myself. Yeah, I think there's a tremendous power in saying it is what it is, or it, it's going to be what it's going to be. There's, I've done what I can, and I'm going to let it play out. You know, there's a there's a power in that rather than than worrying about what's going to happen because you can't control that. You, we right. can't fix that. Well, yeah. uh, so uh, and and I'll make a I'll make a you know uh, give you a, an example here. And this is something that I, you know, dealt with a lot in my fighting career. As soon as papers were signed and the date was set for a fight, from that moment until the door of the cage was shut and the ref said go, my mind would be solely focused on 
running through the scenarios and possibilities of that fight. That was it. What if he does this? What if he does that? What if I, how, how should try this? And I need to make sure I do this and work on these things and this and this and this, and all of this stuff for weeks and months leading up to this event. And if finally towards, towards the end of my career, I realized like none of that matter, no matter how hard I, I think on this, no matter how hard I try to visualize winning or getting the submission or getting the knockout, it's not going to change the outcome at all. I can think about it for every second of every day and I can just see myself winning this fight. And, and, and it has zero bearing on whether or not I actually win it or not. And I think we do that with a lot of things. We're like, man, if I just, you know, if I think about this hard enough, if I, you know, just really just, you know, grind on it and mull it over and, and just put all my energy, mental, mental energy into this, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a solution. And it's like, maybe, but I can tell you there's more, it, it never, it never came into, into, into play, right? What determined, what determined the outcome was what I did in that moment, right? Not, not the thinking of it. Or, and, and to be fair, the preparation that I put into it, the training, right? I did have to put the training in, right? I had to, I had to show up. I had to work on my skills. I had to get in shape. I had to do all these things. But these are actions, this isn't just sitting and thinking about the problem, right? I couldn't, I couldn't preemptively win the fight through thought. I had to set a training program, follow that protocol and make adjustments as needed and then put it all together and have a little bit of luck when, when the fight actually came. And it really came down to that moment. Where is my mind in that moment? Not where was my mind six months before, not, you know, the night before, what song did I listen to and what, you know, um, what inspirational quote did I read? None of that shit mattered. It was in the moment. And that, that, that's something that I think it's, it's easy to lose sight of. Fighting paints a very, you know, for me, painted a very real and visceral uh, picture of like how to set goals and accomplish them and what worked and what didn't because the feedback is immediate and and right. pretty severe. So my next question, Josh, is this: the men that are listening today, what's your best advice for them? Again, there's there, there, there's there's a lot, and I think everyone's circumstances is somewhat different. And so, you know, I think to each person individually, I may have something different to say. But as far as like a global universal uh, concept, it it would probably be. We're working on introspection and, and, and figuring out who you are and becoming comfortable with who that person is. I think if we can do that, other things will start to fall into place a lot better. I look at, you know, the most of the struggles in my life and most of the like tension and anxiety I had, it was during the times where I was really trying to like figure out who I, who I am and, you know, and, and is that who I wanted to be? And I think that there's always room for improvement. I think that there is, you know, that's not to say they're like, Oh, and this is where I think a lot of people get it wrong. There's a lot of like 
unuseful, like new age kind of concept of just like, I, I just am, I'm me. And this is, and I think that there's, you know, I, I think that there's some acceptance to like who we are. Sure. But using that to um, justify your shitty behaviors is probably not, not the best, right? Like, man, I'm just, you know, I just lie about stuff. It's, it's who I am. It's part of my nature. Like, no, that you're an asshole. Like, stop. You can, you you can change and make improvements. Right. But I think, you know, I, I, I think there's a difference between like behavioral patterns and then, and, you know, bad habits and then who we are as a person, you know, and, and being comfortable with that, not trying to be something that we're not. And I think it's easy to be led astray where we, where we may um, like the idea of something, you know, and, but try as we might, like, that's just not, just not who we are. And so recognizing like, okay, what, what is, where, where do I fit into this whole thing? Right. This whole thing of, of, of life in the world and existence and however um, existentially deep with that. Trying to spend some time to come there. I, and, and learning some acceptance with that will allow you to, make better decisions and better progress in other areas. I think if you're, if you're trying to do all the other stuff first, you're kind of putting the cart before the horse, right? Before you can, before you can fix the world as it were, right? Before I can like, look, look upon this thing and say, Hey, there's some problems here that need to be corrected. Right. I need to look inward and say, Hey, there's some stuff that I need to figure out before I can actually hope to have any real lasting impact. And so that, that would be the thing is, man, start with yourself, whatever it is, whatever it is, start with yourself, work on that. And that's not to say you can't do two things at once that they can be a simultaneous thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to impact the world and make it a better place, but I haven't stopped looking inward and and working on the things that I need to work out, work on. And there's often a very, um, very accurate reflection of the two. You know what I mean? The things that I see wrong in the world are often in some part the things that are also wrong with me that need some work. And so looking at that and 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 approaching it from that perspective, I think is is something that would hopefully be useful to to a lot of us. I know it's certainly been very useful for me. The more the more I've I've, you know, taken a step back and just looked internally and things the more clarity I've been able to apply to the other things that I'm doing. I think that's excellent advice. I, 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 um, you talked about that reflection, you know, with what I see, what's, what I see in the world is often what's wrong with me. The other end of that, I think is sometimes what, uh, I, I tell people all the time that, you know, you're healing, what you're hurting isn't just for you and your healing isn't just for you. You know, there's a reason that you have gone through what you've gone through. Because you're the one that can help somebody else. There's other people that need to hear that. Other people that need the healing that you get. And so I think that's part of that as well. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that we all have, have a path to walk. And, you know, there, there's going to be difficult sections of it. But I think that they, you know, depending on how we perceive and we view that, they can, they can either be stumbling blocks or stepping stones, to, to quote Bruce Lee it's all in how we look at it and we can use that knowledge to, as you said, help others, or we can, we can sit and we can wallow in our misery and, and 
you know, say, poor me, why did this have to happen? And I can just go nowhere, right? I can just be stuck in it. Or I can, you know, find a way to persevere, to go through, gain some perspective, not only for myself, but then use that for others. And to me, at the end of the day, that that's kind of the, the point of it all, really, is, is not to just, you know, go through this life existing as our own, you know, island, independent of everything else, right? You can do that, but I don't think that's what we're designed for. I don't think that's what we were created for. And if you don't believe me, um, go put someone in a solitary confinement and see how well they do. There's a reason that the, that the pinnacle of punishment, aside from, you know, capital punishment, but, you know, we're going to let you live. The worst thing in our society we can do to you is to isolate you from everyone and everything else. So that goes to show you, and you know, to me, that's a pretty strong indication that, that, you know, the inverse of that is what we are actually created for to be in, in community, in communion with, with other people and, and, you know, enrich their lives and allow them to enrich ours. This, the, the idea of going it alone, this lone wolf mentality that I think a lot of men have adopted is, again, not sustainable. You can do it. You know, I could go out in the woods for, for several weeks and probably survive on my own, maybe longer. I don't know if, if, if luck has any hand in it, but man, is that really a life worth living? You know, especially knowing what I, what I have waiting for me, you know, what experienced, what it's like to have, you know, my friends and my family and loved ones and that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and maybe there's some people who haven't experience that. And so they don't know what that feels like. And if that's the case, man, then that, that needs to become a priority is like, man, you need to, you need to find that. Um, and those people are out there somewhere. I know it might seem hopeless for, for some of those who haven't been loved or haven't experienced love, but there are those people somewhere and, and, you know, they're just waiting, waiting for, for you to, to find them. And, you know, they may be, in close proximity to you, you just haven't realized it because you haven't opened up. You've never given it the chance, you know, because you've been so closed off. You've been so, you know, isolated, whether by your own doing or by life circumstances, whatever it is. And, you know, to those guys, I would encourage is like, man, you need to seek that out. You need to find it because that's, that's what we were made for. I think you know, not to be alone, not to go through this life, you know, completely independent, solitary, you know, it's, it's a romantic idea, right? I think as men, we look at that, you know, very stoic, you know, lone survivor type um, story. And we're like, yeah, I want to be that guy. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. I can handle everything on my own, but it's a fantasy. It's not reality. You know, we, we, we watch movies about that and we get all, you know, jazzed up, but that's, again, it's not sustainable. That's not how that works. And so, you know, you, you would be just as served as, as wanting to be, um, you know, uh, Captain America, right. Or, you know, Thor or, 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 or any other, you know, archetypical superhero. It's like, that's, it's not reality. Those are stories that we tell because, there's some notions that resonate with them, but, but we're not that guy. You're not, sorry, sorry, man. You're not going to be Spider-Man like, or whatever, you know, pick your, pick your hero, right. Pick the, pick the fantasy that you really, 
resonate with, it's not real life. Like recognizing like, okay, yeah, there's some lessons that can be gleaned from that, but um, it's not the ideal path. Again, in my opinion, at the end of the day, like I said, it is your face. So um, you're the one getting punched, but that that's, that's my recommendation for anyone who may be asking, well, specifically to you who was, who was asking. Sure. No, that's awesome. Josh, I appreciate you being on the show with us today. Thank you very much for your insights. I think it's excellent stuff. If, if our uh, listeners want to know more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to, to follow oh, man. you and get in touch? I, I don't, I don't know if after all this, these guys are going to want to hear me talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, that guy's kind of weird. I don't know. Um, you know, so they can check us out. SavageGentleman.com is the company and that's our website. And, and that's where our blog lives and we have podcasts on there as well. Uh, Savage Gentleman Official is our Instagram handle if you want to check us out there. And if you want to see what I'm doing personally, I'm at Josh Tyler MMA. And that's my own thing. It's there, There's some similarities. There's some, you know, some themes, but I, I guess I'm a little bit weirder on my own thing. If, if you can believe that's possible, then I am on, on the, the front facing company side. I, I run all of our social media on both aspects. So it's always me that you're talking to. It's just, I have a slightly um, more tempered approach and voice as savage gentlemen. And then, you know, me, I get a little bit more personal uh, on my own stuff, but yeah, they, they can check me out there. Like I said, savage gentlemen or Josh Tyler MMA and um, shoot me a message and you could also check out the League of Savage Gentlemen. That's our closed Facebook group. And so um, you can answer. There's just two questions to get into that. And, um, you know, join the conversation, get in there, ask some questions, give some advice, hopefully help some other dudes out. And, um, yeah, man, I hope they enjoyed this, whatever this was. Nope. No, <laughs> I think they will. I think it's excellent stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Special thanks to Josh Tyler of Savage Gentleman for giving us such a great interview. Listen, if you want to know more from Josh, make sure to go to savagegentleman.com. Check the show notes for links to Josh on social media, and you can check out his webpage as well. He's got some good stuff going on, and I really appreciate the conversation. Guys, I really appreciate you. I appreciate all that you do to help make Manlyhood a success. I want you to go to the Manlyhood store, and I want you to get some merch. We've got some T-shirts, some hoodies, some other uh, things on there like Manlyhood mugs that you can carry around and show your support for the work we do. Just go to manlyhood.com slash store and you can get your merch there. We've got more great interviews in the weeks coming, so please stay tuned. I'm glad you guys chose to join us today. I love you. I care about you. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.